this is chapter 3, and I am reading verses 13 through 18. Who is wise in understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. We are still in this sermon series that is asking about the spirit-filled life, that is suggesting that uh, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, which we as believers receive. We're filled with the Spirit. But when we're filled with the Spirit, what does that do? What does that mean? What does that give to us? What does that provide in our lives as Christians? And this week, as I was thinking about how the Spirit comes to us and fills us, it became clear to me that one of the gifts of the Spirit spoken about again and again in Scripture is wisdom, wisdom of God given to us in and through the Holy Spirit. But it also seemed to me we as Christians don't talk very much about wisdom. And that would make sense if it wasn't very prominent in the Bible, but the Bible is filled with texts that are talking about wisdom, the wisdom of God given to the one who believes. Now, if you actually look at the Bible, if I went through where wisdom shows up across the Bible, we would be here for hours, literally. And so I don't think you want that. But if you look at the Old Testament, the word in Hebrew for wisdom is kokmah. And some of the places that would immediately come to your mind, of course, is the wisdom of Solomon. That Solomon, King Solomon, is a great king because of his wisdom. And in fact, King Solomon is asked by God, what, what do you want? And he doesn't say power, he doesn't say riches. He says, I want wisdom. Because wisdom is a gift of God that allows us to lead a good life, a godly life, to be discerning, to be careful in the decisions we make and the way we live. 
And so Solomon gets all those other things, uh, riches and power and whatnot, but, but only because what he has really sought was wisdom. And then we find wisdom, kokmah, there in the Proverbs. I mean, Proverbs begins with this call to seek wisdom and has chapters 8 and 9 of the Proverbs are all about wisdom and tells us that, that wisdom is better than jewels, more precious than jewels. There's nothing worth more than the wisdom of God in our lives. But, of course, the scriptures don't stop uh, at the Old Testament. The New Testament picks up on wisdom, and, and uh, the Greek word there would be Sophia. And there are so many places in the New Testament that talks about the importance of wisdom. But think about Jesus as a young boy before he grows and matures and begins his ministry twice. Luke tells us that he grows in wisdom. Very particular in saying he's growing in wisdom, this gift from God, gift of the Spirit. And of course, Paul talks frequently about wisdom, uh, for instance, uh, saying that uh, the wisdom of the cross is foolishness to uh, a world that does not believe and has not received the Spirit, the wisdom of God. So there are all these passages throughout the scriptures that are talking about the importance of having and bearing and sharing wisdom as a believer. And when we come to this letter of James, in many ways, James takes all of these teachings about wisdom in the Bible and kind of pulls it together. Now, I know for most of us, if we said, well, what is James about? We're going to say, you know, James is the one that says faith without works uh, is dead. Or, or James is going to say, be doers of the word. So we always think of James as, as this call to action. But in fact, if you go back to chapter 1 in James, one of the very first things he says is that faith must have wisdom. He says, seek wisdom. Ask, if you don't have wisdom, ask God to give you wisdom. Because what James is trying to say to the people in his church who are having problems, of course, what he's trying to say is wisdom alone will lead us to, to the good and the godly life. The wisdom we receive from the Spirit will take us to the place where we are really living into the kingdom of God. Now, it's important to note here that knowledge is not the same thing as wisdom. Now, Jesus has a lot of knowledge. He studies the law and the Torah before his ministry, but, but knowledge by itself doesn't equate to wisdom. There are a lot of people who know a lot of things and then don't know what to do with it or know how to live. I mean, I think about the, quote, absent-minded professor who's smart as all get out and knows so many things, but doesn't have a lick of common sense. There's no wisdom there. There's a lot of knowledge there. Knowledge is good, but it's not the same thing as wisdom. 
And then this is an obvious statement to make, but it is an important one, and that is that wisdom is not the same thing as our opinions. Now listen, we are currently living in a time where opinions seem to be everything. And let's face it, we all have a bazillion opinions. We have opinions about how the altar should look. We have opinions about what music we should sing. We have opinions about what's the best barbecue in Oklahoma City. We have opinions about what's the best lake to go to. We have opinions about whether we should wear masks or not in the time of COVID. We have opinions about racial injustice in our country. We have opinions about everything. There is nothing that we as human beings don't have some opinion about. But the problem is that at times those opinions actually block the wisdom of God from reaching us. That we get so stuck in our opinions that, that God can't let the wisdom of the Spirit break through our opinions. We're so busy wagging our tongues, all of us. I'm not exempting myself from, from this sermon. One of my favorite TV shows, and some of you know this, is called The Midwife, uh, which is a British drama about Anglican nuns and young uh, women nurses in the poor part of London in the late 50s and early 60s where what they do is they, they serve as midwives. And one of the nuns, Sister Evangelina, is sort of this gruff, no-nonsense, to-the-point, say-what's-on-her-mind kind of woman. She no holds barred with Sister Evangelina. Now, she has given her whole life to God, she is compassionate, she's merciful, she lives her vow of poverty, so there's no question that, that she really seeks God in her life. But sometimes her opinions and her tongue gets the best of her. In one of the episodes, Sister Evangelina tells a first-time mother not to use baby formula, that the mother's milk is the best and the only way to go. But the problem is this new mother has some physical problems and cannot nurse the baby. And in fact, she's so set on what Sister Evangelina has told her that it ends up endangering the child who becomes dehydrated. Now, to her credit, the minute... Uh, Sister Evangelina is told what her opinion has done. Uh, she's, she's sorry. She goes to apologize, tells the mother, no, no, no. But the thing here is clear, that oftentimes our tongues and our mouths get ahead of us, that it comes out of our mouth before we've even thought through or discerned from God what we might ought to say. I mean, how many times in your life have you ever said, oh, I wish I hadn't said that? Because our tongues are flapping. Our opinions are so quick to come out. 
And in fact, if we read more of this letter of James, chapter 3 actually begins with this long passage about taming the tongue, holding your tongue, not letting it, the problem of how it can come out and say things that can do damage before we have even had a chance to pull it back and say, I didn't really mean that. The damage is done. And so James says, first of all, if we, if we want to seek wisdom, we're going to have to hold our tongues a little bit more. And then comes this passage that we read, where James is laying out for us that there are actually two kinds of wisdom. That first of all, there is this wisdom of the world, and we all know that kind of wisdom. It's the kind of wisdom that says uh, winning is everything. It's the kind of wisdom that says you want to be a big fish in a big pond, and you want to swallow up the minnows. It's the kind of wisdom that has ambition or envy and can become boastful. It's the kind of wisdom that is really competitive and seeks for oneself more of the pie. James is very clear that that kind of wisdom is earthly, and not only that, he'll call it devilish, because the point is, what does that kind of wisdom lead to? It leads to conflict. It leads to divisions. It leads to dissension, and he will even call it, it leads to disorder. It's chaos. The fruit of that kind of worldly wisdom is ultimately chaos and and understand that James is talking to his church. Churches, a lot of times, will get in this kind of selfish, ambitious, uh, wanting to come out with my way, and it creates discord, dis, dis, uh, disunity, disorder within a church. Now, I don't think that's... Uh, generally the case here in our church. I think we're pretty good at setting ourselves aside and finding a way forward. In fact, I was thinking that just one year ago, we decided to come together and worship together, and it meant that almost all of us had to set aside something and able to have, to be able to have this, this one unified worship service, and in fact, our willingness to do that and to listen to God's Spirit leading us in that direction has made this time much easier. It was as if God was preparing the way for what would happen now. And because we were not caught up in, I have to have it my way, but could let go the fruits that have been born of that has made this pandemic time so much easier for us than for many congregations. But understand that our larger church, our denomination, has been very caught up in this kind of worldly wisdom and having to win the position. And so James then talks about 
the wisdom that comes from above, the wisdom that comes to us through the Spirit of God, the wisdom that allows us to lead a life that reveals the kingdom of God in our midst and invites others to share it. And he says this wisdom of God is, first of all, pure. And pure simply means that there's nothing else mixed in there. There are mixed motives. God's motives are pure. Our motives should be pure. They should be about what God wants for us, for the world. That's the wisdom that we seek. That's, that's why we call children pure. And Jesus says we have to become like little children because we're open to what is real and important and willing to learn and grow. And then he says the wisdom that comes from the Spirit is Peaceable. Now, you have heard me say this word peace, shalom, means more than the absence of, absence of conflict, although that's important, but it also means healing and wholeness and real relationships. Uh, the wisdom of the world divides. The wisdom of God brings people together and builds up, not tears down. And then it says the wisdom of God is gentle. Listen, so often we think of gentleness as the lamb and the bunny, and it's kind of weak. Jesus was gentle. Gentle is about being merciful and compassionate and kind. Gentleness isn't a position of weakness. Gentleness is such a position of strength that you're able not to be aggressive and Put yourself out there in front of everybody and demand your way. And then, and I think this is really important, this phrase, willing to yield, willing to yield, is a way of saying and asking us, are we open to hearing a new word from God? Are we open to changing our minds? Are we open to being formed and reformed and shaped and molded by the living God, by letting that spirit change us in the way we think and the way we live over time? Because that's not the wisdom of the world. That's the wisdom of God that says, I can Yield. You know, if, if God revealed on day one of our Christian journey everything that God was going to ask for us, of us, we would never go. When I was called into ministry 30 years ago, I didn't even know how to baptize a baby. Where Now I'm like, come on, who's got a baby? Bring it, bring it, bring it. But at the time, I was nervous about how do you baptize a baby? If, if God had then laid out for me, oh, and you're going to have to write books, and you're going to have to be a professor, and you're going to have to be a dean of the seminary, I would never have gone. I wouldn't have responded to the calling because God has to lead us over time deeper into the way and the truth. We're not formed just because we believe it takes time, and we have to be willing to yield to hear and receive from God what God wants. This 
It's the way of God's wisdom. This is the way of Jesus Christ, and it is different from the way of the world. It is a way that brings unity. It's a way that brings love. It's a way that brings healing. It's a way that looks beyond ourselves to the greater good. It is the way of Jesus Christ. And it is a way that we need to make manifest in our world and our lives now we need to ask for that wisdom of God. I've been thinking of this pandemic and being apart, and, and trust me, it's hard for pastors. It's hard for pastors because we want to love on the people, and this is like, yeah, I'm looking in a camera, and I'm imagining some of you out there. I feel like uh, the, the romper room lady, right? And I... I see the pools, and, and I see Nancy, and, yeah, at the Smith. It's like being in the wilderness in so many ways. It's like when Jesus was sent off to the wilderness and had to wrestle during that time. And it makes me wonder, when we come out of this wilderness, whether that wisdom of God is going to lead us to the next places we are intended to go, because I don't think we can come out of this time and not be changed if we are seeking the wisdom of God in the Spirit during this time. And it, it asks of us just two things. One is to listen Listen to God. Listen to others. Jesus was the great listener and the great questioner so he could hear even more. Yeah, sure, we think of Jesus telling, but how many times did Jesus not tell? He just sort of told a story and said, now you go figure it out. Jesus was always listening, and we are called to listen, to kind of maybe hold our tongues and listen. And then we are asked to have this openness to let God show us and lead us and form us. You know, last week we, we sang, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. And then it says, you know, mold me, make me, shape me, whatever it says. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember the words. You know them. But it's saying... Remake me by your spirit for who you need me to be for now and for the future and for the sake of Christ in your kingdom. That church is who we are, asking God to give us deeper wisdom so that God can do amazing and powerful things here in and through this village in the months in the years to come, seek wisdom as a gift from God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.